All right, let's make this happen. Are we ready? Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Orian. Alongside me is my co-host Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hey, Pippa. And today we are joined by Larry King. Good name, Larry. How you doing, Larry? <laughs> yeah, good guys. Not that Larry King, the other Larry King. No, not that Larry well, King. Well, he's dead now. You don't have to worry about is it. He? Yeah, he copped it a couple of years ago. Old uh, big yeah. cigar yeah. smoker. Okay. He's gone. There is only one Larry King. Yeah, so let's now make it there clear is. Now. Yeah. Uh, Larry is a world-renowned hairstylist. He grooms the likes of uh, David Gandhi, Jared Leto, Kylie Kloss, Gigi, and regularly works with Vogue, GQ, and Vanity Fair. And he owns salons in London and Monaco. Very good, Larry. And he also has his own hair care range. Excellent, Larry. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Very, very good. So we always like to uh, start with a simple question. Um, sometimes it has complicated answers. Uh, what's keeping you up at night at the moment, Larry? Staff, I would say that does. That has its moments. It's a big thing. I suppose it's a staff-heavy Yeah, it's a staff-heavy business, definitely. So I think things like that would probably keep me up at night, but not that much, honestly. I have a good gang. How do you hire people? Do you test them out? Do they? Do you make them cut hair in front of you or something? No, a lot of mine, I tend to try and uh, train within. So I started off with a group of friends who all come working for me or with me. And um, we were just a good team and we also have a lot of assistants and we train them. And I think the idea now is to continuously just bring the assistants through so you're building within the, within the business itself. It gives you know people um, obviously a lot of place to grow within the business. I think if there's emergency ones where maybe you lose someone of a higher level, then you need to bring in that higher level. But... It's about retaining the staff I've got and then just building from in within. So that's why right now, I suppose, keeping me up slightly, I mean, is to open up into third salon because I do have sort of three youngsters that really need positions right now. I mean, the barber and the hairstylist world seem very different. What, what is the difference between those two worlds, first of all? What, what makes a barber and what makes a hairstylist? I think it's just a different, maybe a different kind of service at barbershops. And they, obviously barbershops differ as well. So I think you need to bear that, you know, we need to bear that in mind. And I think salons, you know, they, they are geared around being completely unisex. So it's, you know, you get men, women, you get, you know, I have, I have a very even clientele, I would say, of probably 60% women, 40% men that come in the salon. So Okay, and you start out on your own and then you just, you build up business and you hire people who then, they follow your style, do they? Or, you know? No, I... I initially worked in a salon. I was very busy, built a clientele. Then I opened. Then I went to open a business. Initially, you need a small group of hairdressers to work with you and colorists. Mm -hmm. So you have someone that's people that specialize in color and cut. Some salons have people that do both. Uh, we have people that specialize in color and cut. Um, you get a small team. We obviously looked at for a salon that was large in size that maybe ha you know that holds twenty five seats. With that, you can look at getting around about 17 hairdressers in there, 18 hairdressers. And the idea is that, you know, you maybe you start with seven, but you build up very quickly because obviously your rent is higher because you've got a higher, larger size premises. So you have to build it up quite quickly, get that unit in there, that team, and just build from there. And how many, like, how many haircuts can somebody do in a day? Ten, okay. I would say, is average. Nine to ten. If you're in a salon in London, most people work off around nine to ten. 
and that's like because you're looking at around and you can go up you can go you know people can go up to 13 14 15 16 some people even go right up 17 doing half an hour appointments but then they there's no chat Minimal like, around get the out of my you, Yeah, if you're doing half hour slots, I would say we'd work off like 45 minutes to an hour, so you get a very good service. This might be a difference with barbers that tend to be, again, male. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, 15, yeah. 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Quick as possible, in and out. They do things like dry cuts that makes it a lot quicker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's certain things. They also use clippers a lot more and stuff like that. So. Okay, if someone's a really good hairstylist, could you just tell by watching them for a minute, oh, they're amazing, or it's, or is it about an outcome? Is it, well, I don't care if it took two hours if the outcome's amazing. So, you know, in terms of, you know, making money off, off it, you know, it might be someone can only do five a day, but they're, they're, what they can do is incredible, but they're quite slow at it, and then other people are really fast. I mean, does it is sort of speed part of it in terms of the skill? And Do you see what I'm asking? Um, no, I wouldn't say speed is part of it. For me, I define a good hairdresser that's... I have a good, great team of hairdressers that are all absolutely incredible, without a shadow of a doubt. And do you think you can train anybody to be a hairdresser then? Or do you need skill? Does somebody need to have a basic level of skill before... No, I could train anyone. Okay, I bet you couldn't train me. <laughs> I, trust me, I could train anyone. I could train anyone. But I have an incredible team. Um, they are renowned for being probably one of the best in London, if not the best. And the reason why is they all give hedge cuts that very much last. It's more about they last a long time than very easy to manage at home. They're workable hair. They just give you, you know what I mean? These are the things that what people want. Yeah, because if you're going to spend, and that is obviously the fundamental and obvious difference between barbers and a hairdressers, right? Hairstylist is the cost. Barbers, people go every 10 days, you know, they go in regularly 10 days, get you know, get their hair freshened up. Hair salons, you tend to see them every six, sort of four to six weeks. And it's, you know what I mean? They have a longevity to their haircut. Because if you're going to spend quite a lot of money, you can't keep going back. Or you could if you're a celebrity, but if you're not, you're not going to do that, are you? Yeah, they, go, they just look for a really nice haircut that they can style themselves very easily at home. Yeah, okay, so a lot of it is coming up with a style that suits them, that is easily maintainable. Yeah, it's not, you know, they're always going to make it quite personal to them. They're going to define the haircut to be personal to that person's face, shape, features, so yeah. on and so forth. Give them guidance on how to make it look good when they're at home. Show them tools and products to use. How did you end up with that whole celebrity bit and the whole Vogue and all those kind of things? I started working with... Uh, as you said at the beginning, David Gandhi, yeah. uh, he's a good friend of mine. He likes the way I've done his hair. He asked me to go on shoots with him. People obviously got wind of me being on shoots, whether I, you know, if I was doing a shoot for a magazine, they'd like what I'd done. So this magazine would ask me back, or other people would see it on social media or other channels and be like, oh, he cuts David's hair. David's got great hair. He's, you know, regardless of the best looking man in the world. So he's got great hair. So I like that guy to do my hair. And I just, you know, it snowballed from there, really. How do you know David? He was just come from me. He was, he was at a model agency and I used to cut all of the models from the agency. So the agency identified that they liked the way I'd done that model's hair. So they would always send their models to me. The, the agency itself trusted me. And that's where I met David. And then from there, it just kind of, I kind of met loads of friends. I've got continuous loads of friends. You know what I mean? I, I cut Frank Lampard's on a shoot, a shoot, and I do his hair every ten days. Niall from One Direction, or in fact, three of the boys from One Direction, I do very regularly. But Niall is a good friend of mine. 
I can't use hair regularly. <laughs> there is literally, the list could go really on. We could be here all night. Does it ever go wrong? Does it ever like you, 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 you're you a bit hungover and you completely cock up David's hair? No, that no. doesn't happen. <laughs> and you're like, fuck me. I'm He's like, not going to tell you like, if it happens, like, right? Like do that. What, what, what do you think about a crew cut? What, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, you'd have to ask him, but I think after, nah, 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 nah. It seems like a lot of the most famous celebrity hairdressers are men. Is that fair? I could think of. I mean, I'd have to. I'd have to think about it. But I, I spent some time in my life uh, with skincare companies and stuff. And when I would meet celebrity hairdressers, they tended to be men. But that might have been coincidence, which is why no, I'm raising I, the question. I, I have to say, you are probably right there. I don't. I have no idea why. Yeah, because there's some incredible female hairdressers out there. I have no idea why. There is, I, you know, I can list a good few women that are famous female hairdressers, but there is, yeah, there has been that kind of pattern for some reason that I don't know. What would you say to someone who's setting up a, a, a salon? Would you say, good business, great, go for it? Yeah, it's great business. It's great. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, there's certain aspects of it that are difficult. What's the most difficult? I think nowadays, for me, there's elements of it where people expect, young people expect to qualify, or not just in hairdressing, but this is in the world we live in. They expect to get success and wealth and money, and they don't have to work longevity to get to it. Yeah, I think I might have a vague idea. Yeah, you, it's yeah. strange. I'm trying to work out whether we're old and that's always the way it is, but the entitlement thing is complex. No, I think it's definitely come on more now. I, You know, I've worked with guys, majority of the ones, team of mine that are the highest level, have been in it for a long time and they build and grow. And, you know, to have a clientele is not easy. You know, you, you have to get regulars, you build relationships, you know. Hair salons are it's all about relationships. and Yeah, because they're there to see you. They've got to feel comfortable to sit in a chair for an hour. Yeah, and if they want to come back, they've got, to, they've got to like their haircut, they've got to like you, having a conversation. You know, hairdressers become people's closest friends, and some people have a bit longer relationships than they do with their partners, with their hairdressers, 100%. You know, they're like confidants. They, they, you know, they tell everybody their biggest secrets. Because you're, you're within someone's personal space you're touching someone so that certain barriers drop by that point and that's when they drop people then feel that they trust you and they can talk to you but i do think that young you know youngsters have to build clientele you know they have to you know there's a lot more money in hairdressing than a lot of people understand especially in london if you build a clientele and you're successful and you work at it for years you can be on huge salaries i'm talking six figures I think it's slightly inversely proportional, or that's my experience of it though, that entitlement thing. Always the really good people are always a bit like, am I doing this well enough? Is this okay? What can I do better, etc. It's the people that frankly aren't that great who are like, yeah, I know everything. I'm really, really great at this. Where's my, where's my pay rise? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. I think, but salons, you know, there's other factors that come into it as well. You know, you've got a you got to make sure that the customers are coming in the front door. You know, so for me, running, you don't just open a salon and people are just going to turn up. You've just got to have a reputation behind it, you know. So you've got to work at that. Even now, you know, I spend a lot of time, I was personally myself doing press, you know, influencers, people who are going to put the word out there more and more so that, you know, we're known as a number one salon and it drives new clients. So Because you, you can have... People still move away or, do you know what I mean? Situations change. So however amazing you could be, 
you're still going to lose clients and you still need new people coming in to fill them gaps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you can never stop. I notice you've got these tattoos on your hands and things, which is sort of, it's interesting because you use your hands, so you cut your hair. So they, yeah. is, is it connected to that? No, no. C3PO, well known for cutting hair. Uh, it's probably a bit of a midlife, I only recently got these, it's a bit of a midlife crisis. This is a baseball and it, the same sign is called Is This Heaven? And that's because my favourite film is... Uh, field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And that's what my whole salon was based on. Really? That slogan, that exact slogan you just said. Wow. Yeah. I, I stood outside on a January night when it was pouring in the rain, looked at a, looked at what was a hard shop and a hardware shop and a uh, laundrette, and it flashed up like what the salon would look like, and it was a bit of a "if you build it, they will come" moment. And me and Laura went back. I then met Philippa. I raised the money. And I built it the way it looked. But I've got a drawing what Laura drew of the salon, how it would look. Laura's your partner. My wife, yeah, business partner. And she drew, she's a designer. She designs all the logos, the you know, the websites, all of these things, everything that's other than hairdressing is my wife. Uh, That's her side of the business. And anyway, she drew a picture of what the salon would look like back in that January. And it looks identical to what that salon looks like right now. Yeah, cool. So it is a completely, if you build it, they will come moment. Yeah. And that's why that tattoo is on there. That's really cool. I think I think the entitlement thing is there's always so many stories online about someone who's made it in two years. So I think I think that's that's the sort of underlying problem that people are being exposed to these stories. You know, before all of that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have a sense of how long it took. I mean, I, 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 you know, anyone under the 25, I do find them generally irritating. And I, I've said for ages, like, life needs to punch them in the face for a while and then they'll just start sort of being a bit more humble. <laughs> well, whatever, whatever their dreams may be. Well, it happened to all of us, didn't it? I mean, it would, it would have even happened to you to start with, I imagine, that, oh, dude, oh this is oh. going to go well. I don't know. I think when I started doing all of the celebrities and stuff, like that, I used to do so many, so many of them for free. Because what tends to happen is you you do a celebrity and they you they might need a hair for an event. So you'll do their hair for them for free, but then you might get a big campaign which you get paid a huge sum of money for. So it's a kind of, there's constantly a bit of, a, you know, it's the same as the world, how the world goes around, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type vibes. So there's always been a bit of growing, networking, you know, putting myself out there as much as I can. And I think, so when people say, oh, you've done so well, you've opened a salon and, You've opened two and you've done that in seven years. It's like, well, all those relationships of all these celebrities I've had for like 15, 20 years. And it's like, for the first 10 years, I had done all of that other stuff where I missed my daughter's birthday because I had to go and do someone's hair. Do you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So it's all of that growth that I have to do. And there's not a lot of people that will sacrifice themselves to do that. You know, give up their Sundays where they want to go and just do things to... You know, one of my hardest things I ever had in my career, 100%, was I used to work with M&S. And, you know, I'd do all of their shoots. And often if you don't do a shoot and you say you can't do it, someone else will come in and they'll steal it from you. You've got to always turn up, basically. Yeah, and I every, you know, M&S, I'd shoot with M&S like five, six times a year. Anyway, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, it was her third, birthday I think it was her third or fourth birthday she'd never had a party anyway joining a party from she her birthday's in November 
from probably April to November, we heard every week, can't wait for my party, 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 party. Comes around to her party, MS says, I need you to go to America. And so she's, I, I can't say no because everything, no, I could say no, but I could lose MS and the amount of money that gives to my family is huge. So I, I went to America and had to FaceTime her on her birthday and I was devastated sitting in a hotel room on my own, gutted. And, you know, their moments devastate you, but they also, you know that there's been certain so many memories I've had with my daughters that I can I would never have if I hadn't have done them. them yeah, yeah. This falls into the a, a slip up on the on the show, which ended up um, going viral. But this sort of question about how much time you have to spend with your kids. The the modern attitude is as a father, as a mother, you've got to be there all the time and whatever. But the reality of building a business is not that. I mean, I'm a simple example. I never saw my dad when I grew up. He was building this place all the time. I saw him on holiday. I didn't really know him other than that, but I didn't resent him or anything. You know, I understood he was out there busting his balls and we had a nice life because of it. Yeah, I think there's definitely, this swings and roundabouts to both, but I think the modern society now does put a lot of pressure on, you know, mums and dads to... Do it all, Try to do it all. And, you know, you want to give your kids a great life and great opportunities. Do you know what I mean? And there's two ways to do it, isn't it? Do you work very hard... You try really hard to give them opportunities and set them up for life, or do you, you know, work with them at home, helping them study, you know, and all of that, so that they are super successful in life. There's loads of different ways you can look at it. Do you regret what, what that you missed her birthday? I mean, you kept the MS contract, I assume, did you? No, because it, the amount of other amazing memories that I've made with my kids and have, you know... It, it upsets me, that, it, but it's one of them things that drives you on and drives you forward. I mean, you and, can regret something, but it's still the right thing to do. Yeah, I certainly, no, I certainly don't regret it. And if it happened again, I'd, I'd do it again because there's other things that do, you know, play a part. And like I said, I've, I could list a hundred things that I've done with my children because of where I've got to in my career. I went to last year, I was doing a shoot all across LA and my kids came to LA and was in LA, Malibu, things like that. They got the opportunity to come on them shoots with me. And also I've been married for 23 years. So me and my wife do a lot together. Nice. We do a lot of it together. So you met pretty young, right? Yeah, we met really young and having that support with me and my, you know, together, we're a strong family little unit, so. Hard to balance though if you're both in the business because if the business has got demands, both of you are in demand. Yeah, we're both in demand and we both do it all together. We've done it all together. We set it up together. But you and Laura, I mean, because it can, I would imagine, be quite difficult to be running a home with somebody and also with them in a business. Yeah, but we're both quite separate parts. She works in the office. We have a core group of girls in the office that run the products and the back end of the business. And that's where my wife will work, designing the products, logos, you know, the websites, the branding. She's the brand director whereby I work in the salon with all of the team in the salon. So I do the hairdressing part, which is the salon part, which is being front, front and foremost in the salon with the team and stuff like that, or on shoots, while my wife backs up the other side of it. So as much as we're in the business, there's yeah. often at least four days a week where we're not even And I've seen you disagree, and you disagree quite well. Yeah, we do disagree quite well. We don't argue, we don't ever get into a big screen, like argument. No, we just talk about things out, talk things out. Yeah. Is, is having a hair care range now, is that an important part of a a, a, a a hair brand, you know, your brand? I mean, do you need it to is, do it? Yeah, it is part of our brand. It's something that we've always believed in and wanted. Um, we've created them all ourselves. Um, we really look to develop them and create them ourselves. A lot of people don't. They tend to license names. 
You manufacture it in the UK? We manufacture it in the UK. And like I said, we really take our time to create these products ourselves. So it's about making sure they work, identifying that there's nice ingredients built within them, you know, that are, the packaging's very sustainable. All of these crucial parts that we really wanted. It's mm. So glass bottles is really nice. Yeah, often you get people that just stick their name on a product and, you know, just because it's a quick earn. For us, it's not. It's about really trying to put our heart and soul into these products. Yeah, so it's in glass, the product range anyway. No, it's not all glass. Glass, metals, aluminiums. Oh, you're using metals as well. Wow. There is, uh, yeah, we use aluminiums. It's aluminium like the tubes, aluminium, tubes. Uh, yeah, aluminium, aluminium, aren't they? Yeah. And the cards mm. have like cardboard boxes of, you know, FSC, so they break down the moment they hit water and stuff like that. So it's little things that play a massive part. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark, straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What do you think is bullshit in your industry and why? There's a massive amount in general in the hairdressing industry of restrictive covenants and worrying about people taking your clients, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. And I think, I think honestly, hairdressers, like I said, you build your clientele up for a long time. So I think when it comes to hairdressers, a certain amount of clients will follow that hairdresser. And I think that's fine. I think if they're going to walk, walk around and go and work in a salon that's, you know, 50 yards around a corner, that's a bit much. Or open a salon 50 yards around a corner, I think that's a bit much. But I think if they, you know, they're going to go, a, you know, a certain distance and take their clients, it should be allowed. This is always the problem, isn't it? You train up and then the talent, you want the talent to go, you would encourage them to go and set up no, their own place. No, of course I encourage them to stay. And that's why I look after people and try to encourage, you know, give people nice salaries and yeah. give people a future. Me and my wife, you know, I worked in previous salons where I didn't really have a future. I didn't feel like I could achieve my future there. And I also worked with people that weren't looked after and didn't feel that they could achieve their future there. And when I looked to set up, that was my main drive was to to rectify that. It was to, you know, if people are working very hard, is to, you know, pay them what they deserve and recognize that. And I'm, me and my wife have set out to do that all the way through, you know. I could easily make probably a good couple of hundred thousand net more a year, but my turnover of staff would be very high. You know, I've had a business a salon, hair salon that's been open seven years and I've lost probably seven stylists in seven years. I can tell you now, there's no other salon in London that has that. Mm. I'll tell you, 100%. One stylist a year is not a lot. They all tend to stay in it because you have to give people financially and, you know, career-driven, uh, you know, opportunities. And that's what I set out to do and me and my wife set out to do and that's why our team's, you know, fantastic and they're behind us and all part of the journey. Five-second rule, so... This is where we're going to ask you a list of questions to get to know you a bit better. And you have five seconds to answer each question. Go for it. D, key the music. What was your first job? Uh, working in a restaurant. What was your worst job? Working in a restaurant. I applied for McDonald's and got turned down. Probably oh. the only person on the planet that got turned I down. I got turned down by Burger King and Slam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got yeah. turned. one of the only people that's got turned down by McDonald's. But yeah. Favorite subject at school? Art. Art. What's your special skill other than cutting hair? Uh, numbers, I think. Now, 
some it wasn't, but I'm quite good with numbers now. I think you Which is lucky because I'm bad at numbers. Yeah, and I think you'd probably endorse that. Yeah. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? I want to be in the film industry, which I kind of have ended up being in. And I've met a lot of, a lot of film actors, um, a lot of huge actors. Tom Holland's a good friend of mine, so okay. I can't get much bigger than Tom Holland right now. Yeah. Not, not the right historian. Tom yeah. <laughs> not the historian. Um, um, what did your parents want you to be when you grew up? I think my parents just wanted me to be happy. I think they both just wanted me to work hard. And they instilled quite a work ethic in me, I have to say. And uh, oh, I do work hard. What was the moment you decided to be a hairdresser? And what did your dad say? I was at college and I wasn't really doing very well. I was not. Re- I was doing GCSE retakes. I was really struggling. You dyslexic? No, 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 no. My daughter's dyslexic. Um, but, you know, no. There's a lot of hairdressers that are dyslexic. I think it makes people think about business in a different way. I don't like the way schooling is where it... You know, it makes them feel inferior. I know so many people that are hugely successful that are dyslexic. And I think, um, honestly, I think dyslexia is, is an amazing thing that people use a different part of their brain to, you know, achieve and acquire and, and um, figure things out a lot more easier than some people that are not. So for me, I think it's something that should be like looked on and, and treated in, the, in a much more positive manner. What's your go-to karaoke song? I don't do karaoke, sorry. I can't sing at all, sorry. Is there something that you're in the car on your own and you crank the thing up and... Yeah, I like a bit of Dran Dran. I'm, I'm a bit of a big 80s fan, so anything that's 80s... Hot I'm 80s. Yeah, I'm right in there on the 80s. 80s are so, best. Yeah. yeah, 80s. Simply Red, Dran Dran. Yeah, fair enough. Ballet. All the classics. All the classics. Um, office dogs, business or bullshit? Oh, no, as in dogs... In, in your business, in yeah, we have we have a dog in the salon. We have an English bulldog that's part of the salon. Wow, what lives there? No, no, he doesn't live there. But he's he, one of my team. We've got this English bulldog called Tommy, and he, Tommy's in the salon every single day. Wow, English bulldogs are like a special breed. He's a big, big boy. Yeah, he just sits in the salon, just looking <laughs> at everyone. Like, <laughs> no, he just looks at him miserably. <laughs> but he's genius, and everyone loves him. Uh, I've got my three dogs, but and I love dogs. Um, but no, I I definitely believe we have so many dogs that come in the salon. We're a complete dog friendly salon, so people bring all. We can have sometimes three or four in at once. Um, have you ever been fired? No. I can't He's really looked now. At me, looked at me there as if to say, "Was you actually well, you telling even the get, truth?" Yeah. But, um, no, never you didn't been fired. Get fried. the job at McDonald's to get fired no, from. I no. guess, yeah. I have had a very volatile employment in certain places but I uh, <laughs> that I'm not going to list but I um, I certainly have never been fired no very good what's your vice what's my vice um, I suppose clothes I do like my clothes I do like my fashion uh, I do have some other little things that <laughs> I have a marine fish tank that people don't know about that I like so I have corals and stuff like that and fish and I also, I'm very much into my 80s Star Wars stuff, so I do have some vintage Star Wars toys. So there you have it, that was this week's episode of This Is Not Bullshit. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Pippa. Thank you, D. Thank you, Romeo. Thanks, everybody. It's great. We'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until then, it's ciao.